All right, welcome back. The Audible is on the air. Kimbo Camber, John Conjemi with you. We've got a special guest today to get things started out as we get ready for Super Bowl week coming up in a week. Things are going to get hot and heavy in about uh, six or seven days. But right now it's the kind of the calm before the storm, but no calm here. Number 93 in your program, number one in your heart, Florida Gator. <laughs> Trace Armstrong joining us. Trace, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. So good to be with you guys. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, no doubt about that. Hey, let's kind of, before we get into some other things uh, uh, here on the show, what, what are you doing these days? I know you've been in the in the sports agent business. You're, you're still doing that, and that's what's consuming your time right now? Yeah, yeah, I've been really, really lucky. You know, I kind of fell into this business once I retired back in 2003, and so I've uh, been you know, close to 15. So we represent a bunch of uh, – NFL um, coaches, NCAA head coaches, and, and NCAA basketball coaches. So uh, I've been doing that a long time, really enjoy it. It kind of keeps me in it. And, uh, you know, it, it reminds me, you know, honestly, of, you know, a little bit of my old role in the union where you're being an advocate for people and and uh, trying to help them get to where they want to go career-wise. So how, how you, get in that, you get in that business, how do you go to the coach's side as opposed to the player's side? Well, you know, I, I felt like I spent most of my career on the player side, just, you know, again, in my role as a union, a union president and all of that. And, um, the coaching part of it, the contracts are more complicated. You get into all kinds of fun, you know, issues, state law. Um, they're much more creative. They all start off as a blank sheet of paper. And, you know, I, I, I enjoy, you know, the coaches and the things they go through, um, you know, a lot of these guys, it can be a really lonely profession, mm-hmm. you know, particularly if you're a head coach. So it's kind of fun for me to, to be a part of their lives, be a part of their career and help them chart a course to where they want to go. So uh, it's been really gratifying. Hey, during, during your time with the Dolphins, uh, you had a chance to play under Don Shula, I believe, for a year. And then uh, the rest right. of your time here under Jimmy Johnson, two different coaches, two guys that expected a lot out of their football team. What, what was uh, what were the similarities that you you that you noticed between those two, and, and and what were the big differences between the two of them? Well, I think like similarities, they're just some people you meet where you say, okay, that guy's got it, right? And so you know, what does that mean for Jimmy? It was the the drive, um, the intellect, um, and you know, Jimmy in his own way, you know, had charisma. And, you know, Jimmy, it was one of those coaches that could be really, really tough on you, but he would love you up just enough. If you were a good player, he would love you up just enough where you kept performing for him. Whereas, you know, I had coach Shula at the end, but he and I had gotten to know each other for years before he was the head of the competition committee. Um, and it's, it's really how I became a dolphin as I got to know coach through the competition committee. I was a player representative and, uh, you know, Don was, uh, I mean, you know, you still saw it. I mean, again, the drive, the intellect, all those things were there. Uh, Don came at it from a, you know, a different point of view, I think. Um, You know, when I first got to Miami, there's a story that I tell all the time that sticks with me. Um, I go to mass, you know, uh, day of the game, and I walk in to see Coach Shula wearing an altar boy gown. And um, I didn't really know how to take it. You know, you walk in and and you see that and, you know, coach did the readings. He helped with communion and it took me a little while to figure it out, but I thought, how great is this? Here's this guy. He's the winningest coach in NFL history. He's a legend and he's not afraid and is proud to really show, 
these members of the organization, the players, the coaches, that his faith is important to him and he's willing to serve. And so, you know, these are two guys that I both feel really, really lucky to play for. And as you know, we, I go through in the business and you're trying to, you know, you really know after playing for two guys like that, when you sit down with somebody who quote unquote has it, um, you know, I reference those guys a lot. I think about like how they compare to those two guys because those were you know, two of the all-time greatest. You know, I, I, I remember talking to Coach Shula one time and I said, Coach, I, I understand that you go to Mass every single day, every morning. I think it would be like 6.30, he would go to Mass. When we were at St. Thomas University, there was a, you know, a, a, you know, they had a chapel there and so he would go to Mass every day. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and so I would go, so I said, Coach, you go every day? He says, yeah, I go every day, every day at 6.30. I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you go there – to confess what you said yesterday or what you're about to say today. <laughs> Just like the rest trying to stay on track, right? <laughs> stay ahead of the curve, right, Trace? Yeah. You know what? I got to ask you, you know, most, most players are, are fortunate enough to have one Hall of Fame coach to be able to play for. And you, you have that distinct honor of having two. I just I, – number one, I bet it shocked you when you saw Jimmy – received the news that he was going to go in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that he actually could cry because yeah. most guys w would say that is impossible, right? But it, it's fortunate for you to have that perspective of two guys. I, I know you, you, you have the similarities and differences, but what did it mean to you as a player to know that I went from one Hall of Famer to, to another Hall of Famer and maybe you didn't know it at the time, maybe more for Coach Shula than, than Jimmy at that time? But when you look back at it now, how fortunate were you were as a player to play for two guys like that? Well, it was great. I actually had three because before them I had Mike Dick. Yeah, oh, that's, that's right. right. And, Sorry about yeah, that. That's yeah. right. No, no, no. And, uh, and I think, you know, John Gruden probably ends up there mm -hmm. one day as well. So, um, you know, I was really, really lucky as a player. And, uh, you know, each was a unique experience. You know, Dick uh, just kind of the natural leadership. And such an emotional leader. I mean, there was literally nobody better at a Saturday night speech than Mike Ditka. And I can still tell you so many of them. I mean, I remember them, um, you know, how they just stuck with you. Uh, and then Coach Shula just, you know, we talked about the mass part of it, the balance that he was able to maintain. How do you go 25 years in a burnout business? You know, Don had a good family life and, you know, his faith was important to him, I think. You know, I think that was part of it. See, you learn kind of lessons from all of them. And, you know, Jimmy and his approach, again, the drive, the the high IQ, um, the relentless personality, the relentless nature of it all, where, you know, you, you know, you felt on edge all the time and you were constantly concerned with your production, your performance, all of it. So, you know, you take something from all those guys, you know, you're really, really lucky. I think all the good ones have that gene in them that, that make you feel never really feel comfortable. You're always trying to push the envelope and get right to the edge and, and keep your performance at a peak. And, and I guess you would know this better than most representing coaches in all different professions that coaches never stop coaching. And with the news that yep. Chan Gailey's coming back to the Miami Dolphins as their offensive coordinator, a role that he held when you were here with the Dolphins, do you remember uh, much about you know going up against practice, against Chan and his demeanor and his interaction with players? And, and maybe you could give us a little bit more insight in what he brings to the table now that he's going to be the new offensive coordinator coming into the 2020 season. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, the thing I remember about Chan was, you, you know, he and I actually developed a pretty good relationship when I was there as a player. Um, you know, we talked football, we talked uh, investments. Um, you know, he's smart, he's easy, very approachable. Um, you know, really well prepared. And you know, you're right. It's hard for these guys to get it out of their system. You know, the, the really great ones, they're teachers, and you know, they're great teachers. And I think once you have that gene, um, there's just a part of you that, you know, wants to continue doing, doing that type of work. So, um, it's, uh, it's fun for the dolphins. I'm, you know, I'm really impressed by the way they closed the season last year. So, you know, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping they get it going again. Hey, Trace. So we, uh, I think everyone with the dolphins, everyone that's been part of this organization, uh, it was kind of over the top excited about Zach Thomas uh, and oh, yeah. you know, and him making it to the final 15. And, and we're certainly hoping that this Saturday he gets to knock on the door and, and, and he becomes a, a hall of famer as, as, as well as he deserves to be that. And, and, and so kind of looking back at, at Zach and, and I just remember when he came here and uh, you know, I mean, he, he made a, him and Larry Izzo made an instant impression and both went on to great careers but Zach, you know, uh, you know, fifth round uh, linebacker coming out of Texas Tech, and you know, look yep. undersized guy, and you're kind of looking at him, going, "Well, what's this guy doing here?" And you know, I think he was a fifth round pick, whatever it was, somewhere along, along the line there. Um, yep. and, and when you saw Zach, what, what was your first impression when 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 he came in, and uh, whether he stepped into the huddle with your meeting rooms or just the first thing you saw, thought when you when you saw him? Well, you know, it's funny. I remember that first mini camp really well. And, uh, you know, Zach and I had, you know, spent some time, a little bit of time together, like his first mini camp. And Kim, I, I, you know, I remember it really well. And those are very physical mini camps, uh, particularly, you know, Jimmy's first year. I mean, it was really like being a training camp without pads on. Um, and there's a whole nother story there with Jimmy and I, we'll, we'll talk about it on another day, <laughs> you know, me and my union experience, but, um, Anyway, Zach made almost every play and, you know, he just jumped out at you. You turned the tape on to watch practice and he made almost every play, you know, sideline to sideline, great linebacker instincts. You could see it right away. So I think, you know, it's hard to tell. Sometimes you have guys flash like that in a mini camp, especially when there are pads on. But really what I thought is, okay, that's going to be a big time special teams player for us. And then maybe he's like a fifth or sixth linebacker. And then, you know, he had a great off season and then we got into training camp and it was, you know, maybe the end of the first week. If you guys remember, we, you know, uh, Jimmy brought in Jack Del Rio. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Kind of be the anchor of our defense. And, you know, he understood the calls and everything else. And it was really clear after about that first week of training camp. Think about that, you know, you know, 10, 12 practices. No, this guy's going to be special. And, you know, they ended up releasing Jack a couple of weeks later and, and Zach was a starter. So he got it right away. One of the things you loved was just his enthusiasm for the game. Uh, we had a great bunch of guys and, you know, guys that like to compete, guys that would practice. You know, Zach brought it every day. You know, he brought it in practice. He brought it in the meeting rooms. Um, and, you know, he was a, a player for me. You know, I was a little bit older when he came in. And, um, you know, Zach and Larry and uh, they were good for me, you know, an older player, you know, you're hurting all that stuff. Their enthusiasm for the game kind of got me excited again. 
You know, so, you know, um, Trace, you're right about that energy because you can remember going back to training camp the way that they ran around. It just made made you feel like you were standing still if you weren't at that level. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Well, it wasn't so much that. It's just you know you remind yourself it's it, you got to have a little fun doing this. Right. And uh, it's it's you know and and so that really for me and being around young guys, I think you know again we we did some stuff socially and had some fun together and we've all remained close. Um, uh, you know, they were, they were good for me. And then, you know, I tried to help them, you know, become better pros. So it was, uh, you know, we had a great locker room on that team and Zach was a big part of that. We had a great locker room, you know, Sam Madison, Pat Sertain, uh, you know, of course, Dan and some of the guys on offense, Tim Bowens, you know, later Jason Taylor, uh, we had a really, really good crew. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I look at Zach, and, and he reminds me a lot. Uh, my last training camp with the Dolphins was the year that uh, they, they drafted John Offerdahl. Um, mm -hmm. And I, think we did, I, don't think that, I don't think the Dolphins had a first-round pick. He was the first pick. He was a second-round uh, linebacker out of, I believe, Western Michigan. Western and, Michigan, yeah. And, and he held out. He held out a little bit. Uh, so he missed the first, you know, portion of training camp, first week or whatever. And then we went up to Swanee to, to go up and work in uh, – and practice against the uh, the Falcons for a few days, and that was the first time I I'd met John. He had he had signed the day before we went up there and came up with him. It was the first time I'd met him, first time I'd seen him, and and the thing that struck me about him, and I think this is where is a, a tangent with with Zach, and you can you can speak more to that than than I can. But you know, John came in the huddle. I remember the first time he came in the huddle, he called the defense, and as the huddle was breaking. He's telling everyone way to where to go. Hey, you've got the short outside. You've got this. You've got yep. so he knew that entire the his the first time he stepped in that huddle, he knew not only what his job was but everybody else's job in the huddle. And I was just kind of dumbfounded. I, I'm just I'm like I, my mouth and my chin's dragging. I got to go. Whoa, where the hell did this guy? I don't come know that. I've been here but a I'm, week. I'm and just I, a stupid defensive lineman. I, I I only need to know to go three ways. You know, and, yep. <laughs> no other ways. But so and and I just. Not having had the chance to be in a huddle with Zach, I would assume that very similar type of a player in Zach Thomas. Oh, he was, you know, he did his homework. I mean, he really worked at it. He grinded the tape. And and we, we were fortunate. I mean, we had a good group that way. I mean, we had a really smart defense. You had, again, you know, Pat and Sam, yep. you know, Brock Marion, uh, another smart player, uh, Jason Taylor, another smart player. I mean, we had um you know we really understood the game and what was going on around us and uh you know Zach was just one of those young guys that he didn't need a lot of poking he didn't need a lot of prodding I mean he was you know his preparation you know as a rookie was better than most veteran players you would come across when you remember back, Trace, I know about training camp and the way and the energy and what he had to do to stand out. But in a game situation, do you remember a, a player or two that really sticks out in your brain still to this day going, wow, I can't believe that maybe Zach made that play or he, or he said that or he knew this was coming. You know, one of those moments where you, you can't really forget as a player. There were so many, I mean, literally so many where he made a big play, a big sack, got an uh, interception. I think that's one of the things is, you know, really underappreciated about him is, you know, he just wasn't a stat guy. He made plays when they mattered. 
And, you know, he would recognize, okay, cut slip by the receiver. He's standing, you know, typically he's at the top of the numbers on this deal. He's at the bottom of the numbers right now. So I know that, you know, you know, he's going to run an inside route and I'm going to jump it. So there were so many like that, but um, you know, the ones that really, you know, stand out are, you know, kind of some funny ones where, uh, you know, we had a, uh, an extra point block against the Patriots one year. And there was a center there named Danny Via. He was a deep snapper. And, uh, uh, you know, Danny kind of took a cheap shot at me. They throw a flag and, you know, they've got our line up and re-kick the game. And Zach gets about eight yards off of the line of scrimmage <laughs> and just runs Danny Via over. And the first thing to hit the ground was the back of Danny's yeah. head. And so Zach screaming at him, he goes, that's what you get for doing that to my boy. <laughs> and it was very, uh, it was very colorful. And uh, so you remember more plays like that. Yeah. Uh, he gave me probably the worst concussion of my career. <laughs> He was on a, a linebacker blitz and I was hitting the quarterback. And instead of hitting the quarterback, he hit me in the back of the head. And uh, so you remember more of those than, uh, than the big plays, uh, the big interceptions, the big tackles for losses. Yeah, you know, I, I, the first, my first recollection of Zach in, in a game, I think you're playing, you guys were in the, in the Joe Robbie stadium at the time. I think it was Joe Robbie stadium. And, and, um, and you're playing the, the Colts and, and they ran, I don't know who the back was, but they ran a little swing pass out to the back. And and Zach just you know I I mean, it was like he was it was like he was running the route for the guy, guy catch ball and he just drilled him. I, I mean I think he knocked the guy out and, and and you know and it's really the first time I thought wow this this guy is is something special and, and he certainly didn't let up at at that point. He just continued to get better and better and better and and um, you know you, you talk about Zach and you talk about his study and you talk about how good a player he was. But you talked about a little bit him, him and Larry, he and Larry Izzo were a little bit out there, and uh, so and, and those guys, you know, Zach became, you know, Zach's a very stoic guy now. You know what I mean? He's out yep. of football. He's a family guy. You know, he's a business guy. But boy, those first couple of years in the career, I think they were in their career. I think they were pretty much terrors. What terror, was that? Fred South and Barney, Florida terrors. right? Exactly. Hey. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Got any good Zach guys Izzo with... stories? Oh yeah, they're a bunch. Uh, yeah, there's so many. Uh, I tried to drown them both one year after a mini camp. We had a that's a well-known story. Um, we there yeah, there's so many. We had like practical joke contests that um, you know there's no better place in the world than an NFL locker room. We all we know that right. Yeah, you, yes. You're never going to find a place in the world where you're going to laugh that hard, and in one conversation you can make fun of your buddy's body parts, his girlfriend. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, what he had for lunch that day, all in the same conversation. Um, so it's the best place in the world. We, we had a lot of fun, you know, practical jokes. Um, you know, I used to cut the bottom out of Zach's underwear. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you get done with practice, you're trying to get out of there, yeah. go do something. And I would just take the scissors and cut the bottom out of it. Or I would, uh, I would tie a knot in his pant legs and like put water on it, throw it in the dryer. So the knot was like, literally <laughs> you couldn't get it out and he'd have to cut off one of his pants legs on his way home. So, uh, to get home. So, or wear a pair of sweats. So those are a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah we had, we had a lot of fun together. Yeah. I, I did almost drown him one day after a mini camp though. <laughs> hey, uh, they had to be, they had to be rescued. The, the, you know, the, the, the votes coming up on Saturday, um, 
And I, and I know you're, I know, I know you're like everyone else here, as I said, pulling for Zach to, to, to get in. What would it mean to you to, to see Zach uh, get into the Hall of Fame? Now, now, having said that, you know, just last week you had the chance to watch Jimmy Johnson, your coach, in, in a very public, uh, very emotional situation, uh, you know, find out about his induction into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, if Zach gets in, two, two guys very close to you uh, and, and, and both – uh, uh, if Zach gets in, both going to be very emotional moments when they find out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so happy for Coach Johnson. I mean, I literally texted him right away. Um, I talked to him maybe two weeks ago uh, before he got in. Just, you know, you know, I'll touch base with him every now and then. I think the world of him, he still keeps up with the game, obviously, with his job. And, and uh, it, you know, it's – not many people get recognized for their life's work. And uh, it's just, uh, it's gratifying in some way to have been part of both those guys' lives. Um, you know, as a player uh, for Coach Johnson and a friend with Zach. So it's, um, it's really fun and an honor to, you know, again, just to have been a part of it. You know, for Zach, I think he absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Fame player. Um, and I think you have some guys, right, you know, God reaches down and touches them and they're great. You know, they're great because they, you know, certainly work hard and all those things. But but God gave them more ability than than some other people. You know, Zach is somebody who made himself a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think, you know, you look at what this game and what it's about. He willed himself into being a Hall of Fame player. So he absolutely deserves to be there. Um, you know, as far as Coach Johnson, you know, Coach changed the game. I mean, it changed how personnel offices are structured, how they, how they, uh, you know, rate players in the draft, and then you know, obviously what he did in Dallas, and and you know what we tried to do in Miami. He, you know, he definitely left his mark. So I, you know, I went to Jason's Hall of Fame, uh, his induction ceremony, and uh, it was so much fun seeing all the guys. And again, you're just, I mean you guys have both, you know, played with Hall of Fame players. You're just, you're just so proud to have been so a small part of it. Yeah, it's uh, really good stuff. Hey, um, um, let, me, let me ask this. Prior to playing for the Dolphins, uh, you played with the Bears. Uh, I'm sure you keep up with them. Uh, Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, two guys that are really closely associated. You know, and, and when you talk about, look at Zach uh, and, and Hall of Fame-wise, you know, he, he, Zach had to come in and kind of stand behind some of those guys. Erlock was there. Uh, uh, Ray Lewis was there. Uh, Derek Brooks. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of good linebackers that kind of, you know, that kind of kept Zach from being that all-pro or Pro Bowl guy for a number of years, and then finally Zach kind of broke through. But you, you, I, I know you know a lot about those two guys. What, what, what do you see as, as similarities between the way they played the game and, and what the game meant to those guys? And that's, that's one of the things when I look at Zach is I don't know that I've met a guy that played – uh, football in the National Football League, did the game meant as much as it did to him? Yeah, it's, it, it's you know, it's incredible desire, right? With with all those guys you just mentioned, it's that incredible desire. It's the will um, where, you know, sometimes you make plays and then there are other times where you will yourself to make plays. And, you know, that, that was Zach. I mean, he, he's a guy, if he were a hunting dog, he'd be the hunting dog that ran, ran until his heart stopped. You know, that was the way he played. And, you know, the thing that 
I, I think, you know, again, both those guys are great players, but I think one of the things that, you know, made Zach exceptional was just his overall instincts. And you look at it, I think, what I don't know, he had like 17 or 18 interceptions, right? Um, you know, I don't know, 20 or 20 or so sacks yeah. in his career. Um, you know, it's a rare combination of a guy. And the scheme we played, he was a great cover linebacker. You know, the way we played defense at that time, Zach had to be able to run with uh, a tall tight end and cover him down the seam, cover him down the middle of the field and and carry him for, you know, 20, 25, 30 yards. So I, to me, as you know, you look at all of them, I think he was one of the most complete inside linebackers to ever play the game. Yeah, I agree with you. Hey, uh, Trace, appreciate you taking time out. I know you're up at the Senior Bowl and getting some work done up there. If, keep your eyes open. We need a few players down here next year. We had a lot of guys to choose from. <laughs> Give us some opinions. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm optimistic. Hey, I wouldn't have missed it. This was so much fun. Uh, you know, I love Zach, yep. and uh, it's good to talk to you guys again. So, uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, I Trace. appreciate your time. All enjoyed right, Trace it. Armstrong. Good, uh, good stuff there with Trace. And, uh, you know, it, 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 you'll probably – you know, he's such a he's such a good guy to talk to. He's got such a depth of knowledge, you know, both from uh, you know being a player's you know the the, the player rep and in the his union stuff, and I think he was union president for a long time, and uh, along with his uh, you know the the teams he played, and he was always a always just a, a solid, very very good player coming out of Florida. Well, he was a smart player, yeah. and I think he fit in with that group. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, he, he mentioned yes. that whole group about being how intelligent yep. and how much they love the game and how much they love being around each other. And I think he was probably one of those unsung heroes mm -hmm. of that defense because he was relentless with a pass rush. He was good against the run. He was a team guy first. And he fit in very yeah. well to what that scheme and the way that defense yeah. played. And you know what? I think he was good for – I think he was good for JT. I think Jason – I think he kind of, you know – Kind of helped get JT that veteran in, presence, that veteran yeah. present, and he'd been there and he'd done it. He was a good pass rusher, understood the game, understood playing against the, the tackles in the National Football League. And I think, you know, I think I think uh, Jason kind of went to school with him uh, a long time, and, and certainly helped Jason. Look, Jason was going to be what he was going to be. He was going to be a Hall of Fame player one way or another. But I think that you know, I, I think early on having the opportunity to play with uh, with Trace was, was, was pretty big for him. I, I think so as well. And I think all those guys kind of fed off of each other. Yeah. You know, Timbo up the middle. You got Sam and Pat on the corners. Yeah. You got Zach in the middle. You got JT, mm -hmm. you know, pinning his ears back and making plays. And I, I think a lot of those guys, you know, when one guy made a play, it made the other guy say, I, yeah. I want to make a play. Not to not for themselves or yeah. self-gratification. No, it was, it was, it was about stuff. Yeah. pushing the envelope yeah. for a defense that knew they had to be good yeah. every week. Yeah, and you know what? You had the group that they had was, and I, I remember being around those guys, and they were tight. I mean, they, they were they were really close. Those were, and they did stuff together and, and everything. And, and so they look, and they went out and they pushed the envelope. They had, they had fun. They they did all those types of things. But when push came to shove, it was, it was about the game. But you look at all those guys. Everyone had good personalities. Everyone liked to have a little fun. Everyone liked to like like. Like Trace talking about you know practical jokes and all that. I mean, it was. It was I would have loved like, to see Trace try to drown both of those guys. <laughs> well, he was, hell, he was bigger than both of them put it. together, you know, for the for the most part. But uh, anyway, good stuff by him. And boy, he's had a really he's had a really good uh, post uh, post NFL career. Yes, uh, you know, working with coaches and, and getting their contracts ready and stuff like that. So uh, glad to have him. Hey, moving on. Uh, we talked about before we uh, we got on with Trace. Um, Super Bowl set, 
uh, we watched the games on on Sunday this week, uh, 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, th- those were those were the two, to me, those were the two marquee teams going in, although uh, the Baltimore Ravens were certainly the, the, the team that everyone expected to, to kind of skate through the playoffs the way they did the regular season. But I think the... I think the matchup, you couldn't ask for a better matchup going into this. And, and John, it's funny, I, I, you know, I, to me, this is, you know, this, the, this may be the Super Bowl, but, you know, it's kind of the Millennial Bowl, you know. You're right. It, it, you, you look at, the, you look at the, the landscape of the National Football League now, and there's a changing of the guards in the quarterback position. You know, Roethlisberger, he, you know, he's been in 17 years, and who knows what he's going to be Brady. like. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. All those guys that have been around. Drew Brees. Fi- yeah, 15, 16, 17, 20 years. You know, those guys are at the end of their rope. Now you've got the, the Lamar Jacksons and the, uh, you know, and the, you know Mahomes, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen. Yeah. You know, all, all, those, all these young, new, millennial-type guys. Are, are taking over the quarterback position. So this really, to me, this this Super Bowl in particular, kind of signals a changing of the guard in what has been a very a pretty stable um, group of franchise quarterbacks for the last fifteen to twenty years. Well, it's it's fun number one to see these two teams in because just looking in, at San Francisco, they had a losing record last yep. year. I mean, I think they won no, they, maybe. Well, they got the second pick in the draft. Yeah, they, I mean, know, they, they, they won, won three games. Yeah, exactly, so. and they turn it around with a young head coach and, and a legendary uh, name, you know, yeah. it was Shanahan and being able to uh, generate offense by going out and getting their quarterback. You know, you bring in a Hall of Fame general manager yeah. as a player, but he brings his expertise to the San Francisco yeah. 49ers, really turns that franchise around. And, and being able to to do it so quickly, so I, I just think that you know for San Francisco to do it the way they did it, uh, coming out so dominant after such a bad season yeah. last year with the, with the injury to Garoppolo and he's out, you know, yeah. and he comes back uh, from the ACL and he's doing what he needs to do to run that offense. Yeah. Some weeks they rely on his arm, some weeks they rely on him just managing the game, and that's sometimes what it takes as a quarterback to know your role in that specific game. And on the other side, it's it's you know it's it's crazy scoring oh, yeah. it, with, with Mahomes, and it's it's electrifying plays, and it's yeah. watching his athleticism and his awareness and his energy, you know, permeate through that entire football team, and, and the way that they went about their business and yeah. being down in both of those well, playoff we, games and coming back yeah. and being being resilient. That that was fun to watch. Well, you you know what's funny about that is, is watching Kansas City in those two games, and even even when they were down twenty four nothing to Houston. You know, it was early enough in the game. You know, I'm just sitting there going, hey, they got, you know, it's, it's still early in this game. They got plenty of time. And, and, and I, I never really, I never really doubted that they would, you know, come back. Was, and, it, was it because of Kansas City you knew how good they were or you didn't have confidence in Houston? A little, a little both. A little both. A little yeah. both. Uh, for you know, me, I didn't to, have to, confidence to me, in Houston. To me in Houston, to me that, that there's, there's just something missing on that team. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. But there's just something that's missing there, and you look at, but you look at you know at Kansas City, and they're not missing anything. You know, they, I mean, they've got you know got a great coach in Andy Reid, and, and certainly a sentimental favorite to 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 try to win a Super Bowl. Uh, but you got you know it's you know you could talk about Lamar Jackson, but you you got to say that, that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football without League. without question. Right? I mean, it's not even without question, not even close, and and he's just on. 
and he's on the upswing. I mean, you know what he's going to do going down, but but that team, you know, Kelsey, the the, the big tight end, they got a good offensive line, yeah, multiple uh, receivers they, that get they, open, exactly. They got speed, they yep. got everything, and defensively, you know, they 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 can play some pretty good football. But but neither game did I feel like when when they were down against Tennessee, when they were down against Houston, neither game did I feel that they were not either, not not going to get not only not get back in the game. But but win the football game, and they did it going away both times. You know why I didn't feel I, – I, I felt that Kansas City was in trouble if Tennessee was able to be dominant on the ground. Yeah. You know, when they get that lead and now they, they're running and, yeah. and Henry's running for over 100 yards again, they might not have had as many chances. Yeah. But when they were kind of not stopping the run, but you didn't see those – 12 yard yeah. runs, those 22 yard runs, yeah. those, you know, we're stopping them on explosive third plays. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they forced the hand of, of Ryan Tannehill being able to make more plays yeah. than he has in those two games. Not that he didn't play well, but that's how you, that's how you beat those yeah. guys. You can't let them possess the football. Yeah. You win on third down, get them off the field and you have an explosive yeah. and, offense. And that's exactly what they did early in the yeah. game. They, they controlled the clock. I think at one point, I think I remember seeing there was the, the uh, Titans had, played, had 19 plays in the in the uh, in the Chiefs had had three plays right. and, and I think I think you know they had Tennessee had seven first downs and, 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 none, won, for, and none none right. for uh, Kansas City you go wow man this is if they this thing keeps going but but you just kind of knew you just kind of knew that you know um, all, the only thing that worried me about that not didn't worry me the only thing I thought about that Kansas or that Houston Houston Tennessee had going for them. Was that in the in the previous two games, um, uh, Derrick Henry got better in the second half. Yes, he got stronger. War guy, you know. And I've been in those games where you're playing against a big back like that, a big power back that's that, that's got speed, and 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 you and you get to that fourth quarter, and, and the guy's just been pounding. He's been you wearing on all you. day yeah. long, and, and you know that you know that you kind of get that tendency where normally you're kind of throwing your head in front of him, you know, and you get in that fourth quarter, and you're just kind of sticking yeah. around out there because because. You've had two stingers, well, and you know, yeah, you're, you're, you've you know, been hit with pain yeah, for three quarters, exactly right? Right. And, and Kansas City, they won on first and second down. They yeah. didn't allow Tennessee to get third and four, yep. third and two, where they could just muscle you up front. Yep. And and I thought the offensive and defensive line, that's where Tennessee was dominant in their two wins in the playoffs against Baltimore and New England. They weren't as dominant against Kansas City, and I thought they if you looked at the defenses, probably had the third best defense, yep. you know, of the Patriots and of the Ravens. So I just thought that they won on first and second down in the second half yep. and made them feel uncomfortable. They put that offense in a position they hadn't been in yep. in two weeks and they found a way to win. It's going to be, this, this game is going to be, it's, it's got a lot of really good stuff to it. I, like I said, they're, they're two, you know, they're two marquee teams this year. Uh, they both played well. All year long, they got stars on both sides of the football. They play exciting football, um, and and the question is is going to be: Can that defensive front of Kansas of uh, San Francisco affect Patrick Mahomes right. the way we haven't seen him affected this year? And can Jimmy Garoppolo on the other side provide enough extra? You know, if he needs to throw the ball thirty five times a game in this game coming in, can he do it and be successful? against his Kansas City defense. It'll be interesting, too, the, the strategy involved with a young uh, you know, coach in his first Super Bowl yep. and then Andy Reid with all the experience he's had in the playoffs getting back to a Super Bowl yep. and, and trying to win. I don't, I don't know how 
you're going to be able to shut down Kansas City for four quarters, yep. but this is the defense that knows how to apply pressure to the yep. pocket. The key, I think, for San Francisco is maybe this sounds weird, but keeping him in the pocket no, no, because no about it. the extension of plays yep. and the way that he's able to retreat, avoid, yep. and then make a big play downfield is uncanny. Yep. I mean, the guy just has that that sixth sense of being able to know where you're coming from kind of escape and then find a big play yeah. down the field and with the strength of his arm he doesn't need to set yeah. he just needs to flick it out yeah. there and he can make plays you know it reminds me this game reminds me a lot of I remember when the uh, Giants played the uh, the New England Patriots when the Patriots were undefeated undefeated yeah. going into the Super Bowl and and the one thing that I thought that 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 the Giants had a chance was because they had those four big defense alignment you know I think they had Pierre Paul they had Strahan uh, who else did they have? I don't know, but they, they had those four really big, really good defense. I think at the point, I think they had six. Remember when, I think the Dolphins played them that year, and they lined up six defensive ends right. at, at one right. point. But but much like much like San Francisco, the giant or the Giants at that in that game, you know, they they had the ability to put pressure on Tom Brady with four guys and have everyone else back covering. They didn't need to send people. They didn't need to put people in man-on-man situations, bad mismatches if, if they didn't want to. Right. And so they just rushed four guys all day. And I think that San Francisco, with that front that they have, has the ability to, uh, to, to play a four-man rush, cover up in the backside, and just let those guys do it. Now, I, you know, like you said, they've got to they've keep them in the pocket. They can't let them escape, uh, escape contain. And they've got to stay in their lanes because, like you said, if there's a crease in there, He's going to find that crease, and, and he's going to be looking downfield to throw as well as run the football. Oh, how many times which really did he, puts a linebacker in a in a jackpot? How many times did he win with his legs and yep. be able to move the chains against Tennessee's defense, yep. where they had everybody covered? He escapes. He needed six. He gets seven. Well, what about the touchdown? He run? needs ten. You he know? needs eleven. Yeah. Right. Well, the touchdown run was unbelievable, yeah. Re- reminiscent of like a Steve Young run yeah. when he went against. I think it was Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, you know, kept breaking tackles and and stumbling along and yeah. staying you know in bounds and keeping his balance and finding his way to the end zone. Uh, that was one of the greatest uh, quarterback runs in a playoff game. You know, yeah. other than maybe Steve's that you'll remember. Um, but. He does such a great job of being aware of what they need and where they're at on the field that he doesn't really give it up when they're in scoring yeah. position. You know, they're going to get points. And this is a team that after the last two games, the way that they have played, aren't going to be in, in a panic mode if San Francisco gets out yeah. to a 10-point lead. You know, I, I think that's another thing. They're comfortable playing any, any type of game that, uh, you know, may get thrown at them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be uh... – it's going to be an interesting week going in, and, and there's always storylines coming up. And you know, I, I know as a, as a player that that you know the, the 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 daily media sessions and stuff get to be a grind for these guys. But but the excitement of being in a Super Bowl, I think you know, supersedes that. Right. And, you know, coming down to Miami, it's going to be. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a really. I think it's going to be a good week for South Florida. Uh, I think the, the stadium's going to show off well. I think South Florida's going to show off well, and and you know and and. and you know, be the team that this. I think what they've had eleven Super Bowls. This will be their eleventh Super Bowl in Miami. Most more than anybody else. And I think once this one gets done, I knowing the way that uh, that the team is 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 going to do things, the way the league's going to do things at the stadium, that uh, I, I think it's going to bode well for for number twelve, not too far away. Yeah, I mean it's going to shine. The stadium looks yep. great every Sunday when we're down at Hard Rock Stadium. Yep. Just imagine what it's going to be spruced up for the Super Bowl yep. and and that crowd and it it'll be electric. And you're just hoping for a great night and. Yep. Uh, great weather and, and two 
two teams that put on a perfect show. Yeah, you, you know, used to be you'd wait, you'd, you'd, you'd go into that Super Bowl, we go, well, which, which team's going to lose somebody? Barrett Robbins going to, to Tijuana. Oh, what's, the guy that, what's the guy that was down the here? The Falcons. The Falcons. I, I can't remember uh, his, his name. What was his name? Eugene, re- not, not Eugene Robinson. Was it? I don't remember. I don't know who the Bo. guy was, but the guy. I just he remember, gets in trouble. I just remember the guy was he was, he was, he was at a, a banquet that morning. He received the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Player of the Year uh, award, and then thirty minutes later, got caught with a hooker on Biscayne Boulevard. <laughs> Things can happen fast, Super Bowl Which, week. Oh, you know the, the storyline. <laughs> you never know what storylines are going to come out of, no. of Super Bowl week. You got one guy down in Tijuana, you know, knocking back tequila at some bar down there, and another guy walking down Biscayne Boulevard with fifty bucks in his hand, you know, trying to trying to flag someone down no. over there. It, it, it's strange. <laughs> a lot of strange things can happen. I'm, yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Hey, uh, we'll we'll talk more about the the Super Bowl next week on the program as we get a little closer and kind of kind of see what storylines are coming up. But uh, but the Dolphins finally have made their their uh, their their highest the announcements, uh, right? Official. Uh, the Dolphins announcing, and a lot of these things are you know have been talked about, but until they're official, they're not official, and they are. So Josh Boyer will be the new defensive coordinator. Uh, he takes uh, he, he's going to take over that spot. Chan Gailey, everyone's talked about that offensive coordinator, and you know Chan, Chan, you know being out of football for two years, I'm sure Chan's anxious to to get back in the game, and I, I'm anxious to see what kind of offense he, he's going to put together for this football team. And it's really hard to really hard to say now until this team reloads and signs free agents, and see where they're the at, what type of personnel, see who they've got, what kind of personnel they got. We know they've got a plethora of receivers and. You know, if you got to get guys healthy coming back, that you're feeling pretty good about that. But running back position is going to be is a little iffy as to what they're going to do there, as long with the offensive line. But anyway, Chan Gailey will be the offensive coordinator. Robbie Brown, quarterbacks coach. Austin Clark, outside linebackers. Uh, Kurt Kuntz, assistant defensive back coach, and Steve Marshall, the offensive line coach. So th- those are the new names. Which is a guy that? Which is a high school guy? Um, One of these guys was not uh, positive to be honest yeah, with you, Bo. Here it is, Kuntz, the. Um, uh, the outside linebacker coach. He, he was, comes uh, from he was Struthers first High School. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, he was Struthers High School in That's Ohio. That's right outside for, of Youngstown. He was head coach for eight years and uh, got a good record. And, and you know, and, and listened to uh, Brian Flores. He said, hey, look, I, you know, there's, there's good coaches at every level in, in football. So uh, kind of a different, a different mix of guys in there. But, you know, I, I feel pretty, you know, having watched Brian Flores go about his business through the course of this season um, – you know, you make scratch your head and go, well, I don't know this guy, I don't know that guy, and quite frankly, there's guys I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Some of these guys I don't know never, four you know, of them. No, four of them, I don't know. But, you know, I, I, do have, I do have faith in Brian Flores that he knows what these guys are all about, and he feels that they're the, they're the right fit for the, uh, for the jobs that he's handing to them. Well, you know what, they come from all different types of experience. You know, some have NFL experience, yep. some have high school experience, some have college yep. experience, and they're going to bring – uh, those guys together because it seems like you know with promoting Josh and and hiring Chan that these are the guys they want around him to to teach those positions on defense and at quarterback and it'll be interesting because going into the offseason I did not believe the Dolphins were going to make any moves in terms of their coordinators yeah. because I thought they did a really good yeah. job yeah. Um, and that's not saying that change isn't made to get to get more out of yeah. what they feel like they have in, in terms of their personnel. And that's exactly, you know, where the Dolphins were this offseason. So they make changes at, at the coordinator. Josh brings a wealth of experience from the defensive back perspective. He's always, uh, you know, kind of 
looking at it from that end zone cut yeah. shot at practice. You you kind of he sees the entire picture, and I think he's going to you know add a, a different wrinkle to the defense. Yeah. I think he's going to add you know some personality to it because that's the way he coaches. He's a good communicator. He knows how to say what he wants done in very little uh, vocabulary. Yeah. You know the, he he communicates very well with his players at defensive back, and I'm sure that's going to carry over the, to the entire defense. And on, on the other side for Chan, you know, as you said, coming out of retirement for two years, he's going to have a different perspective. I'm sure coaches never stop coaching. No. And as those two years on the sidelines, he's adding, you know, if I ever get another opportunity, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to delete from my offense. I don't think this is where the league's going. I think this is going to be more effective. I'm going to go back and bring this type of system yeah. back or this type of wrinkle back. So I think you get all kind of uncertainty when you're going, okay, how do we, how do we face how do we go about facing the Miami Dolphins about their offense? What exactly are they going to be? Yeah. And I, I think that's a good thing yeah. for the Miami Dolphins. Maybe it's a little bit more simplification. Maybe it's more getting to the to the type of offense that accentuates our receivers, to accentuates the running game, makes puts more onus on an offensive line that's going to change in terms of personnel. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of uncertainty which is good for opposing yeah. teams when they're looking at the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it looks like everybody that um, that left here is ending up in New York with the Giants. Yeah, that's right. Like every, it's just, they're just moving up, moving up to uh, New Jersey, going, going to, up to the city, to, to go, go along with Jason Garrett. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, so it's going to be. I don't know if we. I don't know. If, I don't know if the Giants are on the schedule next year, but uh, if you run across them, it'll be like old home week with all those. Uh, there was a couple old home weeks yeah, this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, so so that's where we are team wise, and as we said, talking to Trace, you know, Senior Bowl's going on now. And uh, you know, you coaches, gentlemen, every, everybody in the everybody in the NFL is there. All, everybody that's looking at personnel. That's uh, other than the two teams that are going to the Super Bowl. You can bet that everybody else is, you know, is, is doing their due diligence uh, at the Senior Bowl. And and John, you know, I know you've been there a bunch. I, I've been there a handful of times. Had a chance to play in that game. And 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 to me, it's 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 one of the great evaluating opportunities for pre-draft college players. And you almost wish that they would. They would open it up to, to incoming juniors, uh, just so you could see, you know, put some of those guys in there. But but it really is a good chance to go up there and 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 watch these guys in serious one on one because most of it's just one on one battles, right? Wide receiver against DB, you know, tight end against linebacker, right. uh, tackle against defensive end, and, and so on and so forth. And and to me, those are. Really, really enjoyable to, to watch. Well, it's where, you know, you find players that aren't really on your radar. Yeah. I mean, I know that Durham Smythe was found at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. You know, he had a heck of a week, and no one really knew who he was, but he was a guy that could block and, and that could catch and that could, get you know, get open and be available to the quarterback, and he's one of those guys that, that did it. I remember going back and, and, and getting guys that you're kind of, you know, who's Charles Clay? Who's yeah. this guy, yeah. you know? there's guys that you're going to be able to kind of watch and say, well, he fit what they want to do. Does he fit this system? Now, now both systems are going to change for the Dolphins this offseason, so it might be a little bit more difficult to plug and play guys that you watch for, but you're looking at tendencies of, of what guys have done during the regular season, how they perform against now the, you know, the best elite seniors that are out there because that's what the Senior Bowl gets, 
and how they develop with three or four days of NFL coaching and how, how they can adapt on one-on-ones because that's basically what you see at practice. A lot yeah. of one-on-ones with the offensive line and going against defensive line, a lot of one-on-ones with linebackers going against tight ends and running backs and wideouts and corners. Yeah. And then you get to see the demeanor of quarterbacks, how well they throw the NFL ball compared to the college football because it is a bit yeah. of a change. And, and you know, you, you get to see them – for two and a half hours, it seems like, yeah. you know, for four days in a row. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, big advantage for the teams. I think it's, uh, I think it's Detroit. Uh, Matt Patricia's staff is uh, right. coaching one side. I'm, I don't remember. Cincinnati, maybe? Cincinnati, yeah. Maybe. Well, did they got No, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's right. Cincinnati. I think it's Cincinnati on the, on the other side. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for those guys to see guys, because they get the advantage to see guys in meeting rooms, see who's paying attention. See what you know. What, Make a change on the field move, and how yeah. well he can, de, you know, exactly. bring that right away with one snap. Yeah, exactly. So they get a little bit, a little bit more insight in that. But you know, everyone's up there. And like you said, every every coach that's out of a job or in a job is is probably up there right now and um, looking forward to going to wherever that little bar is they go to and hang out at night. There's a few do, of those. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> a couple sponsors. of those. You know, I, I remember playing that game. I played in, I played in the East West Shrine game, which was a very was which was. You know, it was more of a vacation. Was that in San Fran it at was the out time? In San Francisco yeah, that's at the time. what I remember. We played at yeah. Stanford Stadium, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And uh, and you know, you you never practice in pads. You're just out there in shorts and t-shirts, and you're gonna walk throughs and everything. Right. And it was more, it was more events. You know, banquets and you know, going to the hospitals and doing stuff like that. And then and then you go. Then the next week you go to the Senior Bowl and you go, whoa, whoa, this is a little this, different. This is a little different. This is a little yeah. different animal here. Yeah, you got full pads, two a days. Yeah, you know we were going two a days during during when I was there, and, and I never, and I had a guy. I've told the story. I had a guy that guy from UCLA, Cliff Frazier, big defensive uh, big defensive tackle, uh, was my roommate, and um, so we go to the first practice, and I barely seen him. You know, we just kind of cross paths, and so uh, we get back to get back to the hotel room after the second practice of the first day. And he goes, man, what the, what kind of shit is this here? <laughs> Two a day. What, what, I thought we were going we to come here and be in shorts and to- shoulder pads and shorts and T-shirts. And, not, and I said, well, right, you know, it's, it's a different thing, you know. And so, so we go to bed that night. I woke up the next morning. He was gone? All shit was gone. His clothes were gone. He was gone. <laughs> Never saw him. Next time I, next time I saw him. He was on a he was on a TV show like a little bit part on some TV show and I go hey there's my roommate Cliff Fraser that I, that I met for an hour and He's a half a and security guard and BL striker out. he said no hell no <laughs> two days two days hey hell no I'm going back I'm going back to LA to be in the movies I think the Eagles end up drafting him but I don't think he played for for very long as well you could see for a guy like that it's not good hey it's not for everybody <laughs> no, no it wasn't anyway. All right, so that's kind of where we're at right now. We've got the, the game coming up in another week. Uh, the teams will show up on Sunday, I guess Sunday and Monday. I think maybe both yeah. teams on Sunday or one on Sunday, Usually one right on Monday. And, uh, and, and then, uh, boy, it's going to be the – boy, Miami's going to be just crazy. It's going to be hopping. Next, yeah, it's going to be um, everywhere you go, Super Bowl stuff. And, you know, there, there's a part of me that wants to go down and kind of hang out in there. There's but a larger there's a bigger, part of larger me part that, of that says, I don't I'm, want anything to do with I'm it. I'm a hanging brow. Yeah, I don't want, anything, <laughs> I don't want anything, I, the traffic and, and yeah. the nonsense and everything that goes on down there. I'm, uh, I'm, a, little, I'm a little past that right now. But uh, anyway, as I said, next week we'll come back. Uh, we'll be closer to game time. We'll talk a little bit about uh, what's going on during the week before the game, kind of get some of the storylines and, and, and get more thoughts on on what we think that's gonna, that game's going to be Sounds like. Sounds great, Bo. I want to thank uh, Trace Armstrong for joining us. Hey, and, and, and want to wish – so one, certainly want to wish Zach Thomas the best. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the votes on Saturday, I know Armando Salguero 
who's who's a guy that represents the Dolphins and and will stand up for for Zach will do a a good job and 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 hopefully next week we're also talking about uh, another Hall of Famer for the Miami Dolphins yes. in Zach Thomas going into Canton and that would be you know for the kind of guy that he is and 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 for what he's done uh, as a professional and as a Miami Dolphin football player. Uh, boy, he's just one of those guys that you just you want to see in there. His play speaks for himself. Yeah, you know, I mean, just you had to watch him play, and he he is a Hall of Famer, and yeah. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that's gonna do it for the audible for John Kajemi. I'm Kim Bocamp. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe.